أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صلي وسلم وبارك لعبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ما بعد Welcome to our tafsir another episode of our tafsir page by page where in today inshallah ta'ala we are on page number 10 of the first juz of the Quran in Surah Al-Baqarah in the previous episode, we spoke, and actually in the previous couple of episodes, we spoke about the verses and the passage of Surah Al-Baqarah, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lists and reminds us of the many blessings that were bestowed upon Bani Israel. And how despite those many blessings, blessings of guidance, blessings of giving them paths towards forgiveness and repentance, blessings of the dunya in terms of food and drink and and and, and just general other blessings that Allah Azza wa bestowed upon them, despite all of them, they would often turn away from Allah Azza wa Jal, would disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, would, would, uh, would uh, ignore the commands of Allah Azza wa Jal. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after speaking concerning Bani Israel, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to us a general principle before he will then continue to speak about Bani Israel in general, and in particular, the story of the people of the cow, that will, after which this surah is named Surah Al-Baqarah, the surah of the cow. So on page number 10 in verse number 62, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins and he says, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الذين آمنوا والذين هادوا والنصارى والصابئين من آمن بالله واليوم الآخر من آمن بالله واليوم الآخر وعمل صالحا فلهم أجرهم عند ربهم ولا خوف عليهم ولا خوف عليهم ولا هم يحزنون The believers, the Jews, the Christians and the Sabians all those who believe in Allah in the last day and do good will have the reward with their Lord. No fear for them, nor will they grieve. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after speaking about Bani Israel and the, you know, the kufr and the shirk that some of them committed, the innovations that some of them had, the disobedience of some of them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to us a general principle. And that general principle is that all of those different nations that Allah Azza wa mentioned, so he mentions the believers, and he mentions the Jews, and he mentions the Christians, and he mentions the Sabians. The Jews are the followers of the Prophet Musa والسلام, The Christians, as we know, are the followers of the Prophet Jesus, Isa The Sabians are another group or another religion. And the scholars of Tafsir differ greatly as to who exactly they were. And those, uh, those positions uh, vary from some of them saying that they were a group from amongst the Jews or the Christians, and others saying that they are a completely independent nation. And only Allah knows best exactly who they are because we don't have enough information in terms of the early uh, works of Tafsir that, that, that can specifically uh, give to us all of the details of religion in the, way, in the same way that we know of about Judaism and Christianity, we don't have that type of information concerning the Sabians, which is why you find amongst even the early scholars of Tafsir, you will find differences of opinion concerning who the Sabians actually are. However, there is what seems to be the case, and Allah Azza wa knows best, as some of the scholars, the likes of Ibn Taymiyyah and Ibn Qayyim, 
and others mentioned is that the Sabians were another religion. Some of them said that they came before the Jews and the Christians, others said that they came in between them and so on. But anyway, the point of them being is that the Sabians are like the Jews and the Christians in the sense that they were people who called to, or they were people who were uh, called to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And from amongst them are those who responded, and from amongst them are those who did not respond. So just as you have amongst the Jews and the Christians who in their respective times, with their respective prophets and messengers, and remember this principle, is we're speaking when we say that Allah is saying that the believers and those who do good will have reward from amongst the believers and the Jews and the Christians and the Sabians, each one of them is concerning their own period of time. So the Jews in the time of the Prophet Musa والسلام, are the Muslims of that time. They are the believers of that time. The Christians in the time of Isa والسلام, the true Christians are those who are Muslims in the sense that they are submitting to Allah and to the messenger and prophet that was sent to them, which is Isa والسلام, and likewise the Sabians. So each one of them in their time, just as there were those who disbelieved or had shirk or made committed major sins, Allah gives to us this principle that amongst also from amongst them there were those who believed. Each of those and every one of those prophets, Musa and Isa, and the other prophets and messengers that Allah sent to all of the nations, amongst their people were those who believed and amongst their people were those who disbelieved. From amongst those people, those who believed and they did righteous deeds, Allah says that their reward is intact. Their reward is guaranteed. They will not grieve, nor will they be saddened, because that is from the reward that the believers of every time and generation have, or every time and generation receive. The meaning of this verse is not that now, after the coming of the Prophet ﷺ, that this is still the reward of those who believe amongst the Jews, and those who believe amongst the Christians, and those who believe amongst the Sabians, and so on. No. This verse is not a, a, a principle that continues after the time of the Prophet ﷺ. But these verses, the verses that come before and the verses that come after are still in the context of Bani Israel, in the context of the time of the Prophet Musa ﷺ. But Allah gives to us this principle that yes, amongst the time of Musa ﷺ, there were people who were sincere believers. And likewise, amongst the Sabians and the Christians, those people, do we say that they don't have their reward? Do we say that they also are punished? Do we say that they're non-Muslims? No. Because at their time, they followed what Allah commanded them to follow, which is the revelation that they receive at the hands of the prophets and messengers that Allah sent to them. However, once the Prophet ﷺ comes, he abrogates. Every message, every messenger and prophet that came before him with his own revelation and with the Quran that was given to him. So for someone to come now and say that I only believe in Musa and I won't believe in Isa, I won't believe in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that is not sufficient. For someone to come and say I believe in Musa and Isa, but I don't believe in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that is not sufficient. Just as like it is not sufficient for the Muslim to come today and say that I believe in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but I don't believe in Musa, I don't believe in Isa, I don't believe in those other prophets and messengers mentioned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran. So Allah azawajal is saying that from amongst those people, there were believers just as there were disbelievers. So we should always bear that in mind. And the believers at every time and place and generation will have their reward as Allah azawajal promised them. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking to us about the errors and mistakes that were also made. The blessings that were bestowed upon them and the way that they responded towards those blessings so that we may take lessons and principles from them. And that is why Allah azza wa jal then in verse number 63, he continues and returns back to the story and the, uh, and the example of Bani Israel. 
Allah says in verse number 63. Remember when we took your pledge and made the mountain tower high above you and said, Hold fast to what we have given to you and bear its contents in mind so that you may be conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, And remember. When we placed upon the children of Israel a pledge, a mithaq, a pledge that every single ummah gives to its prophet and to its messenger. And that is the pledge that they will obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and worship him, that they will follow the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that they will not turn away in shirk and in disbelief. That is the pledge that all of us have made with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, the people of Bani Israel wanted to disavow that pledge. They wanted to ignore the pledge that Allah Azza wa Jal had placed upon them and that they had made with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah Azza wa Jal said, remember that when you wanted to break off that pledge, رَفَعْنَا فَوْقَكُمُ الطُّورِ We took the mountain of At-Tur and we held it high above you, meaning as a threat of punishment. As Allah Azza wa Jal says in, in, the, uh, in, in the other verse, وَإِذْ نَتَقْنَ الْجَبَلَ فَوْقَهُمْ كَأَنَّهُ ظُلَّهُ وَظَنُّوا أَنَّهُ وَاقِعٌ بِهِمْ And remember when we raised the mountain above them as if it was a canopy, and they thought that it would fall upon them. So this was one of the ways that Allah placed fear within them, showing to, them, showing to us that the only thing that made them stick to that pledge was the very real and imminent and present danger and threat of punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is not how the believers should be. Yes, Allah azza wa tells us that there is reward and punishment. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always tells us that we should balance between the two. Because when you balance between the two, as the scholars used to say, that raja and khawf, hope and fear are like the two wings of a bird. When you have those two wings in proportion, you can soar and fly and reach the heights of Iman. But when one is heavier than the other or longer than the other, or one is more is, is slightly disabled or or, or or weakened or harmed or injured, and the other one is stronger, then there will always be an imbalance. And that is why you find that people that have only hope in Allah Azza wa Jalla or have an excess of hope, a little fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment, is that they would always fall into sin, 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 because they just think that and take it for guarantee that Allah will forgive them. And those people who are constantly in a state of fear, they are constantly in a state of fear, you find that they always think that they're going to be punished. That no matter what good they do, there is no hope. That no matter what they do, there is no salvation for them. And both of those are extremes that we have been warned against. And it doesn't allow a person to reach the heights of Iman or the worship of Allah Azza wa Jalla and his ibadah until he balances between the two. So Allah Azza wa Jalla threatened them with punishment because they wouldn't accept otherwise the commands of Allah. And he said to them, Hold on firmly, seriously to what we have given to you, meaning the instructions in the Torah. وَذْكُرُوا مَا فِيهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ And bear in mind its content, what is mentioned therein, meaning the Torah, that you may be people of taqwa. And this shows to us that when Allah Azza wa commands us, ordains upon us, emphasizes upon us that we should stick to the revelation that we have, for example, for us in the Quran, then that is because it contains for us good and guidance and the path towards taqwa and the piety of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why Allah Azza wa commends it so highly to us, because it is in our own benefit. And sometimes we don't realize what is beneficial for us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says though concerning the people of Bani Israel in verse 64, that despite this, despite what Allah azza wa placed upon them 
and the emphasis that was placed upon them and the threat of punishment. Even after that, you still turned away. Even after this, you still turned away and you still ignored the commands of Allah Azza wa Jal. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَوْلَا فَضْلُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَتُهُ لَكُنْتُمْ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ And had it not been for Allah's favor and mercy upon you, you would certainly have been from the losers. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to the people of Bani Israel that despite all of this, Allah azza wa jal still, they still turned away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah azza wa jal gives an example of one of the ways in which they turned away. And that is, in verse number 65, وَلَقَدْ عَلِمْتُمُ الَّذِينَ اعْتَدَوْ مِنْكُمْ فِي السَّبَتِ فَقُلْنَا لَهُمْ كُونُوا قِرَدَةً خَاسِئِينَ You know about those of you who broke the Sabbath. And so we said to them, be like apes, be outcasts. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that Allah azza wa jal gives an example here now of the, one of the ways that they turned away. Despite being told to firmly hold on to the message of Allah azza wa jal, to the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to the guidance contained in the Torah. And that is the example of a sabbath, the Sabbath. They were told that it's not allowed for them to fish on the Sabbath, which is the Saturday. As Allah Azza wa Jal mentions elsewhere in the verses in Surah Al-A'raf, وَاسْأَلْهُمْ عَنِ الْقَرْيَةِ الَّتِي كَانَتْ حَادِرَةَ الْبَحْرَ Inshallah Ta'ala, we will come on to that story in more detail when we get to the tafsir of Surah Al-A'raf. But in brief, they were told don't fish on this day, it is a day upon which you are not allowed to fish. So what did they do? They would cast out their nets the day before, and they would collect them the day after. Cast them out on a Friday, collect them on a Sunday, and say, we didn't fish on Saturday. So what they were doing was looking for a way to circumvent the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the restrictions that Allah azza wa jalla had placed upon them. And this is an example of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that you were trying to twist and change the laws of Allah azza wa jalla. This level of, tri- of, of deception or, or, or trying to deceive or trying because it is not an essential, uh, in, in essence, deceiving Allah azza wa jalla, but it is an attempt in what they believe to deceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That type of attempt is something which Allah says caused them to be from amongst the losers, caused them to cause their downfall. Because they looked at the laws of Allah and they said, okay, but Allah said this, and rather than taking that in the spirit of what it is meant, that Allah just says completely stay away from the fishing on the Sabbath, or that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says completely stay away from riba, or Allah says completely stay away from, from drinking, consuming alcohol, or Allah says completely stay away from zina, or whatever it may be, we find different ways that we can perhaps find a way around it. And that is something which Allah azza wa dislikes. Because who are you trying to cheat? Who are you trying to deceive? And even if we were to do that with one another, if I was to do it to you as another human and you were to do it with me, let alone with our family and friends and the people around us, people who have rights upon us, it would be considered to be a lack of integrity, a lack of honesty, a lack of trustworthiness, a lack of moral good character. So what about when it is the actions that are being performed with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allah azza wa says, so because of that, they were made into apes and outcasts. They were humbled and humiliated before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah azawajal then proceeds in verse number 66 and he says, فَجَعَلْنَاهَا نَكَالًا لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيْهَا وَمَا خَلْفَهَا وَمَوْعِظَةً لِلْمُتَّقِينَ We made this an example to those who were there at the time and those who will come after them. And a lesson to everyone who is mindful of Allah azawajal who has taqwa. This is the whole of this passage that we've been discussing the last couple of episodes, all of these instructions concerning the people of Musa والسلام, the nation of Bani Israel. Allah says it was instruction and reminder for them, an example for them, 
an example who will come after them. That this is something which Allah doesn't allow. It is not a test to see how intelligent or devious you can be. When Allah says these are the commands of the Qur'an, these are the, the do's and the don'ts, let's see if you can find a way around it. It's not like the laws of humans where people try to evade tax or they try to come up with these different types of legal even though they're not in the spirit of the law, but they're still legal. So people try to find these loopholes to evade what it is that they should be doing, their rights and the rights that people have, and what is generally for the communal good of society. That is not the way that the Muslim is. Why, when Allah is trying to give you reward, doing what is beneficial and good for you, are you trying to find ways around what Allah is telling you is the path towards your salvation? And this is something which Allah says, therefore, is a reminder. So the question here arises, why? Why did they do this? What is the mindset of someone who behaves in this way, who when they hear the commands of Allah Azza wa Jal, they don't immediately conform to them? And the answer to this is, it's because their mindset is one of constantly being argumentative, of not really wanting to do something, of not fully submitting in their hearts to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when the command comes, they have 10 or 15 or 20 questions. Allah says, pray. Yes, but how and when? But I'm at work and I don't get a break and I don't have time. And so there's so many things. Whereas in the same moment, if someone was to say, look, there's a million pounds that you can earn today there. There's a job that's worth X amount. There's a brand new car that you can take away today, whatever. We would change everything else in order to be able to attain that goal. We would move things. We would, we would cancel things. We would change everything about us in order to be able to attain some worldly gain that we thought was extremely beneficial for us. But when it comes to the commands of Allah that are not materialistic in that way, that are of a spiritual nature that will give you results. But those results are something which require for you to have this concept of delayed gratification. It's not going to happen today or tomorrow, but eventually by Allah's permission, you will have it in the next life. Then we try to find ways to circumvent around it. And because of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to us a beautiful story that will now be mentioned on this page. And that is the story after which the surah is named, and that is the story of the cow. Baqarah means cow and it is named after these people. Or this particular incident and story that took place in the time of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us beginning this story in verse number 67. وَإِذْ قَالَ مُوسَىٰ لِقَوْمِهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُكُمْ أَن تَذْبَحُوا بَقَرَةً قَالُوا أَتَتَّخِذُنَا هُزُوًا قَالَ أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ أَنْ أَكُونَ مِنَ الْجَاهِنِينَ Remember when Musa said, said to his people, Allah commands you to sacrifice a cow. They said, are you making fun of us? He answered, may Allah forbid. I seek refuge in Allah that I should be from amongst the ignorant. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to us here the example of these people in the time of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. And that is that it is said in the books of tafsir and so on, that amongst the people of Bani Israel, there was a man who had wealth. And he had people who would inherit that wealth from him. But he was a man who Allah had declared or decreed for him that he would have a long life. But some of the heirs, some of the people that stood to inherit from him, were eagerly seeking or awaiting his death so that they could benefit from his wealth because they can't take lawfully from his wealth until he passes away and it becomes their inheritance. But as you have even in our time today, people want that money and by hook or by crook, they will find a way to take that money sooner rather than later. Rather than being patient and waiting for Allah's decree to take place, they want to you know, hasten the decree of Allah, if you like, or take that wealth before it justifiably and correctly comes to them. 
And so some of them go, or one or two of them, or however many go, and they kill this man, they murder him in cold blood, and they throw his body out. When his body is discovered and that the man is murdered, then they decide, or they start to accuse one another and start to have a dispute. You killed him because you wanted the money. No, you killed him. You're the one that's guilty. You were always talking about having his money and so on. And so they begin to differ amongst themselves. So they say, rather than us differing, we have a Prophet and Messenger of Allah amongst us. Let him be the judge between us. So they go to the Prophet Musa والسلام, and they say, this is the situation. What is your suggestion? What is the command of Allah in this regard? And he says to them, Go and sacrifice a cow. Now, if I was to go to the police station, if I was to go to a police officer, if I was to go to anyone around me in a similar situation, and I was to say to them, someone has been murdered, what is the next step? What do I do? And they were to say to me, go and sacrifice a cow. I would be in my rights to say to them, what on earth does that have to do with this murder? Why would I sacrifice a cow when someone has been murdered? What is the connection between? It doesn't make sense to me. The clear difference though between this scenario and the scenario that is being mentioned in the Quran with the Prophet of Allah, Musa والسلام, is that when the messengers of Allah speak, they speak from guidance. When they speak, it is revelation from Allah. When it is a command that they are giving, it is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when Musa والسلام, says, you need to sacrifice a cow, he's not being belligerent, he's not being, uh, you know, he's not being dismissive, he's not just joking, he's not just making fun or light of the situation, he's telling them, this is the Sharia way, my Sharia way of you arriving at a conclusion in this regard or in this matter and this affair. But those people, rather than accepting that this is a messenger and prophet of Allah, they start to argue with him. And they say, are you making fun of us? Is this a joke? And Musa والسلام, says, I seek refuge in Allah, that I would joke about the religion of Allah. Who jokes about Allah's commands and his laws? Someone is laying dead, they've been murdered. Who makes a joke of that kind of stuff? Like what kind of person would do that anyway, let alone someone who is from the most knowledgeable of Allah's creation and the most pious, the messengers and prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why when you look at the example of the companions radiallahu anhum ajma'een, what do you see? You see a generation of people, a group of people who would constantly hasten to obey Allah and His Prophet They would submit to the Prophet And there is no greater example of that than the example of the most illustrious from amongst them, Abu Bakr A command is given, something happens, he's the first one to attest and confirm his truthfulness and, 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 and believe in it. That is true iman. The Prophet says to the men, grow your beards. He says to the women, cover yourselves with the hijab. He says to us, do this, don't do that. The believer is the one who knows the station and the position of the Prophet So he submits willingly and immediately. And that means, yes, that you have to fight your nafs, your soul, your desires, the whisperings of shaitan, the, the, the pressure of society. Yes, of course it means all of that. But your iman is stronger and strong enough to overcome those other those other issues or those other parameters within this particular issue. And so when it comes to this issue, we submit willingly and wholeheartedly to Allah Azza wa Jalla and to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But if you can't, that is a sign of weakness of Iman. If you can't, it shows that your mindset has not yet fully accepted the meaning of the word Islam, which is to submit fully to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And this is the situation of the people, of those people of Bani Israel. They come to Musa السلام, he gives them an instruction, and they think it's a joke. So now rather than realizing, okay, 
fine. It's not a joke. We should just do as we do, as we've been commanded. Allah says, go and sacrifice a cow, any cow. Allah didn't stipulate, he didn't specify, he didn't give description. Any cow, anything that is cow called a cow can be recognized as a cow, go and sacrifice anyone. And there are thousands of cows potentially for you to choose from. But rather than obeying the command of Allah, they will now start to become difficult and argumentative. And that is why the Prophet used to say to the companions, don't ask me questions unless I tell you. If I stay quiet, don't ask me concerning it. Allah says in the Quran, لا تسألوا عن أشياء إن تبدلكم تسؤكم Don't ask about those things that if they are made clear to you, meaning at the time of revelation, they will harm you. Like the man who came to the Prophet and he said, O Messenger of Allah, do we have to perform hajj? Yes, you have to perform hajj. O Messenger of Allah, every year, the Prophet said, if I were to say yes, you would have to do so, and you wouldn't be able to do so. Can you imagine if every single Muslim living here today, every year we had to go to Mecca and perform Hajj, every year, like it's hard enough once in a lifetime for most people. The time, the money, the effort, the crowds, the it is difficult enough for most people to do once in a lifetime, twice in a lifetime. Imagine every year from the age of puberty until you die, you have to make Hajj. The Prophet ﷺ said, if I said yes, it would be so. So don't come and ask me these questions when I haven't said anything to you. Allah gives you a command and Allah does so with utmost mercy and with his generosity subhanahu wa ta'ala. So don't come and make things more difficult for you. But these people of Bani Israel will do so. Allah says in verse 68, They said, call upon your Lord, O Musa, and ask him to show us what type of cow. You said slaughter a cow, what type of cow should we slaughter? So now they want to be difficult. Someone says to you, it is enough for you to go and give sadaqah to the poor. For you to ask now, you know, like excessive details, do they have to live in this area? Do they have to be dressed like this? Do they? That is going beyond a scope of you, uh, of, of, of what Allah has legislated upon you. All you need to be able to identify is that this person is poor. And so once you've identified that, that is enough for you. And so rather than going into excessive questioning as the people of Bani Israel did, Allah is warning us against this. So now that they've asked the question, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will answer by giving revelation to Musa alayhi salam. So he responds, He answers that Allah commands that the cow you should seek should neither be too old, nor should it be too young, but rather it should be of an age in between. Now do as you have been commanded. You want to know the type of cow? Allah has restricted that cow from any cow that you could have taken. He has now restricted it down to a specific age group. So take this and go. But rather than taking this and going, they will continue and they will ask another question. And they will say in verse number 69, قَالَ إِنَّهُ يَقُولُ إِنَّهَا بَقَرَةٌ صَفْرَاءُ فَاقِعٌ لَوْنُهَا فَاقِعٌ لَوْنُهَا تَسُرُّ النَّاظِرِينَ They say, call upon your Lord and ask him, what kind of color is the cow? What color should this cow be? Now you ask any person, any child, go and find a cow, identify a cow. They know what, everyone knows what a cow looks like and everyone knows the colors of a cow. However, these people wanted to be belligerent. They wanted to be argumentative. They didn't really want to perform the command of Allah which by the way, 
is for their benefit because the story starts because a man has been murdered who is kin and relation to them. They're looking for the murderer. So ultimately, the people who will benefit are those people who have come to ask the questions from Musa alayhi But now that they've been instructed in the way and the method that Allah has legislated for them, they're going to be difficult. So tell us about the color of this cow. Musa responds and he says, Allah says that the cow should be bright yellow. It should be of a cow, of a color, of a bright, of, of, of a bright yellow or a golden type of color. And Allah says that it should be pleasing to the eye. The, the, uh, the color of the cow is something now which has also been specified. So now they have an age that they must look for and they have a color that they must look for. So now from the many hundreds or even thousands of potential cows that they could have chosen to in order to sacrifice and slaughter, now they have been restricted to come to a single type of cow and that is the one that they have been told concerning age and the one that they have been told concerning the color of that particular cow. But do they stop there? No. We will now go on to page number 11 because sometimes the stories of the Quran don't finish you know, like very easily at the end of a page. So to keep the story together, sometimes we'll go over by a verse or two uh, just so that inshallah ta'ala we can keep things in context. So we'll take uh, another, uh, another verse uh, and that way inshallah ta'ala we can at least finish this portion of the story and then we will do the remainder of it inshallah in the next episode. In verse number 71, which is at the beginning of page number 11, uh, in, in verse number 70 rather they asked another question and they said qalu du'u lana rabbaka yubayyin lana ma hiya inna al-baqara tashabaha alayna wa inna insha'allahu lamuhtadun they said ask your lord for us again to show exactly what type of cow it is for indeed all of the cows look similar to us and with by Allah's will we will be from the guided They've been told the age, they've been told the color. They say, we're still confused. We still don't know what type of cow we're meant to go and slaughter. So ask your Lord yet again to give us further definition, to give us further information. Look at the excessiveness of this questioning. Look at how uh, the, 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 the extent that they will go to, to try to stop uh, or, or not to obey the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In verse number 71, Allah azza wa jal then says, giving them further instruction, قَالَ إِنَّهُ يَقُولُ إِنَّهَا بَقَرَةٌ لَا ذَلُولٌ تُثِيرُ الْأَرْضَ وَلَا تَسْقِ الْحَرْثِ مُسَلَّمَةٌ لَا شِيَةَ فِيهَا قَالُوا الْآنَ جِئْتَ بِالْحَقِّ فَذَبَحُوهَا وَمَا كَادُوا يَفْعَلُونَ They replied, Allah Azza wa Jal told Musa alayhi salatu wasalam to reply to them that this cow that you are then seeking further description for is a perfect and unblemished cow. It is not trained to till the earth nor water the fields. So now the further description that they've been given is that the cow that they must find is one that is unblemished and injured. So they can't have a cow that has any physical embellishments, meaning on its skin, on its hair, the way that it looks has to look perfect. Nor can it have any injury in its hoofs, in its eyes, in its legs, can't have any injuries. Nor can it be a cow that was ever used, that it was ever used to till the earth. So sometimes, because sometimes people use cows in their fields to till the earth, to, to help in the farming process. It can't have ever been used for that type of manual labor. وَلَا تَسْقِ الْحَرْثِ تُثِيرُ الْأَرْضِ Rather, وَلَا تَسْقِ الْحَرْثِ Nor can it be a cow that was ever used to water the fields, that you carry things upon it, that it would use to water the fields. So now it's a cow specified in age, 
specified in color, specified in the type of work that it has ever carried out, specified in terms of its physical description. This is the type of cow you need to find. So now from the hundreds or even potentially thousands of cows that they had, it has been so restricted that maybe there is only one or two or three of that description that will fit within that area. So they said after all of this, Now you have brought to us the truth, and they slaughtered it, Allah says, despite them almost failing to do so. And so this brings us to the end of this particular portion of the story of the people of the cow, and that is that we see the excessive question that Allah is warning the Muslims against. Don't be like those people who when Allah commands you to do something, you want, yes, learn your religion. Learn how to do something in the manner that it has been legislated, but to go excessive in this or to try to find excuses by asking excessive questions in order to refrain from obeying Allah's commands. That is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns us against. And inshallah ta'ala, we will continue with the remainder or the conclusion of this story inshallah ta'ala in the next episode. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala nabiya Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم